Hello everyone, um, lovely to see you. I'm going to wave down to the back to just make sure that you can actually hear me down the back. So um, the fact that you're all waving back, I can assume that you can hear me, So, which is really good. Um, uh, was it this time last year that I spoke at Thalia to the pub? Around about this time last year. Uh, I don't, were any of you there then? Some of you were there then. Got a, got a whole new lot here um, tonight, which is great to see. Um, I, at that occasion, I, I didn't know anything because I was just starting in Melbourne. And uh, I've been now 18 months, uh, the Archbishop of Melbourne, or thereabouts. Um, so you've been stuck with me for about seven and a half percent of the time you're going to be stuck with me for. <laughs> I've got another 20 years to go, um, which, is, which is good. I, I've got to get my glasses out because I'm so blind these days. I, I was preaching on the weekend. You, you remember Sunday was the presentation of the Lord in the temple, and sometimes known as Candlemas um, uh, uh, because of the image of light that's so important in, that, in, in, in the feast day of, um, uh, of that of the presentation, but I began my homily by talking about how I know I'm getting old because I've got to have my glasses on all the time these days, and um, even to read my own scribbles, I've got to be able to to get the glasses out. So um, it's all good. I've been asked this time to talk about being a Catholic in 2020 Melbourne. What is it to be a Catholic in at this time in our city? Um, and I think that's a really important question and a well, well worth uh, a, a question to... Um... <laughs> getting, getting a groove going, my 80s groove. I'm really old. Um, as, as I was coming in, um, I can't remember the lady who was doing the count, the number count, um, and she said I was number 56, which was appropriate because I am 56 this year sometimes. So, I'm not telling you what day. Um, anyway, I, 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 I don't want to talk for too long. I want much more time on questions um, and answers time today. So um, I'm not going to talk all that long um, so that we can have more time for dialogue and conversation. So just so you know that. So, but I'll say a few things. And um, so this question of how we might be um, Catholic, and I adapt it, let's be Christian. Um, Christian Catholics in uh, Melbourne at this time. And, you know, you can even hold my notes for me every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> um, over, I've just come back from a few weeks of holidays. Anyone get some holidays in January? <laughs> um, I feel normal again. Uh, it's rather good. And um, I've, I've got a new online best friend as a result of holidays. Um, not long before Christmas, someone, I can't even remember how this happened, but someone uh, introduced me to a particular podcast. It's called This Cultural Life. Has anyone heard of it? This Cultural Life. So you can start downloading it now. Um, and uh, it's actually a podcast of a conversations called Conversations that happen between a Baptist pastor in uh, Portland, Oregon, in America, and an evangelical pastor here in Melbourne called Mark Sayers. 
So he's my new best friend. Mark Sayers, who's this, um, uh, he, he runs a church called Red Church somewhere um, near um, Wally. Wally. Um, I'm getting an extra pizza, this is good. Um, if I get a bit peckish while I'm talking, try to get down there and grab a slice. So Mark Sayers uh, is the, ch- uh, the senior pastor of a, call, a church called Red Church here in our city. But he has this extraordinary um, knowledge, depth of knowledge of the cultural dimensions of our city and the cultural dimensions of the Christian faith. And he, this conversation of, you know, on the podcast, this, cult, this cultural life, is the, precisely this conversation around the culture in which Melbourne now is situated, which is similar to Portland, Oregon, and similar to... Um, uh, all the sort of major metropolises around the rest of Western world, um, and there's a particular pattern that is um, emerging or has emerged. And they talk about this and talk about how the gospel is um, can be present within this different culture. And this is the culture that you live in, um, as the young of um, the, the city of Melbourne. I think it's a really important question to ask. Well, what is the culture in which we live? Um, and Mark talks about, oh, actually, I'll, I'll, while I'm doing podcasts, two other podcasts for you. Um, there's another one that's called This Catholic Life. Has anyone heard of that one? It, it, there's a, a fellow called um, Peter Holmes. He's, I think he's on the staff of the Notre Dame University in the Sydney campus. Um, and he has a podcast called This Catholic Life. Thumbs up. Um, and we ain't, we've got our own local one as well. I don't know if you know of it. Um, have you heard of Catholics of Oz? Anyone heard of Catholics of Oz? So it's run by a bloke called um, uh, uh, Lindsay Sand, S-A-N-D. So there's three podcasts that are well worth just um, adding to your, your list somewhere. But this cultural life is the one with uh, Mark Sayers, the, um, the evangelical pastor. Uh, uh, this Catholic Life suggests the name, what it is, and Catholics of Oz, AZ. Um, anyway, so Mark talks about the nature of where we are situated this time in Melbourne. He calls it a post-Christian culture. And what's a post-Christian culture? So the, he, as, a, as, as an analyst, he can see that there was a pre-Christian culture of the time of uh, uh, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, uh, the the, um, the time of the, the pagan religions and so on, that then there is the Christian culture that starts um, with obviously with Christ coming um, in the incarnation, but then becoming a part of the life of societies uh, originally in Europe and the Middle East and then spreading throughout the world. And that culture has now become a post-Christian culture. And what does that phrase little mean? You know, post-Christian, you know, you know, pre-Christian, before Christian, Christian, post-Christian, after. It has a sense of being after. And a post-Christian society, Mark says, is one that wants to see itself not in opposition to the Christian, but at least as somehow different from 
So it marks itself by being different in all sorts of different ways. Um, you're living in this culture yourself, so um, it'd be interesting to see how you, um, and we might, in the question time, you might want to tease it out. I just want to talk about that for a second, though. Mark talks about it in this way, and I think it's a great little phrase. Our post-Christian culture, our city of Melbourne, is a city that wants the kingdom of God, but without the king. It wants the kingdom, but without the king. So um, think of the, the language of things that are important in, in, in our time. So social justice is, is talked about all the time. Um, uh, of um, identity and understanding of our sense of identity, inequality and diversity. Um, of uh, senses of happiness and satisfaction in our lives, um, in the things that we uh, look to give, give meaning to our lives. So all those sorts of words, justice, equality, uh, diversity, identity, um, satisfaction or happiness, they all have Christian roots, those words. <laughs> phone's talking to me. <laughs> I didn't even say, oh, I've never done this. Oh, here, here I go. Hey, Siri. <laughs> it didn't work. Mine didn't even go off. Um, uh, so all those words and all that those things are a part of our sort of ordinary language today all have Christian origins, are a part of our Christian tradition, but the words themselves now take on entirely different meanings to the way they come out of their tr Christian tradition. So, one of the aspects of being a part of the post-Christian society is that we might be quite familiar with the sound and the look of things in our language, in the way that we um, sort of interact and, and, and socialise and so on. There's a familiarity with them because the, the, the words and language and ways that have come out of uh, a, a long tradition as a part of our country, the Christian tradition, but their meaning has changed entirely. So, uh, priests here in amongst us tonight, uh, you'd be used to the phrase pastoral care. Um, it's, a, it's a very common phrase. It's been a part of our, our, our ministry as priests in parishes or in, um, or in chaplaincies or so on. I'm thinking here perhaps in hospitals particularly. So pastoral care has been a part of our tradition, Christian tradition, um, for, you know, nearly forever. But that's taken on a different meaning in hospitals now. So pastoral care workers have no connection now with any religion or spirituality or faith. There's sociology and psychology and so on associated with it. But there is a whole different meaning. So that pastoral care can now be used and is used in our state in terms of euthanasia. So to, uh, to assist somebody in the process of euthanasia, we now say this is pastoral care in, in the documents and in the language of our, um, of our state. So 
So what I'm trying to just identify here for you is that in our culture, we're immersed in this culture, and much of it might sound quite familiar to a Christian disciple, but the way those words and language and ideas are used have shifted enormously. We need to be aware of that if we're going to bring uh, the gift of Jesus Christ into our lives and into the, the life of our city and the culture of our city. So that's the thing of a post-Christian cultural society in which we live. A familiarity, language and ideas, but their meanings have shifted so, so dramatically. They are like a kingdom, but without the king. But we are certainly kingdom people, but with the king who is Jesus Christ. So how then do we start to think about bringing and being Christian, being Catholic, within our own culture and society in which we live? So what I want to say there is just very briefly um, a few points. The first point is to remember that if we are to be people of the kingdom with the king, then we need to be in relationship with the king to have an understanding of what that kingdom is about. So our relationship with Jesus Christ is core, central, the absolute in terms of um, being a Christian in 2020 Melbourne. So it's not being of a particular um, uh, uh, church position on something. That's consequential. That comes after. First comes the relationship. Being in prayer, prayer and spiritual development, reflection of, of and an understanding of the friendship of what it is to, to be someone who is engaged in discipleship with Jesus and with one another. The pressure in our culture, in our post-Christian culture, is to take sides. Um, uh, most of you, I imagine, are university students. Who's uni students here? Yeah. Well, at least half. Um, uh, and the rest of you were uni students recently, probably. <laughs> Except for me and sister, we were a bit further away. Um, in, in, on university campuses now, in, in various schools and departments, um, no longer is it a case of arguing for a reasoned position towards some sort of objective truth. These days, it is holding a particular cultural position. And in holding that, then propagating that to others. That also is a part of the reversing of a post-Christian culture. In our own Christian culture, particularly in our Catholic tradition, the reasoning through to what is true and good and beautiful is at the heart of how we come to understand the message of Jesus Christ in our own lives. It is not first 
taking a stand and then uh, presenting that as if uh, and trying to find as many followers that way. But it is reflecting and praying and being in a relationship with the Lord and learning in that relationship what it means. That apprenticeship is probably a good word I'd, I'd like to use. An apprenticeship. You, you're wanting to know kind of what the word discipleship means. Think of it kind of as an apprenticeship. When you're engaged in the very life of what's going on, but at the same time you're learning and, and uh, delving into that life in its understanding and meaning and purpose. So how do we become apprentices? Apprentices. What's the word? Apprentices of Jesus Christ in our lives. Well, might help to start reading the Bible. Um, get to know the story of Jesus Christ. But not just read the Bible. Lots of people read the Bible and what have you, and 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 but don't make the connection to how I might live my life in relation to those words. So it's not just a matter of reading and knowing things about Jesus Christ. But it's about becoming a part of the life. That's what apprenticeship is about, the discipleship. Becoming a part of the life of Jesus. So that's one way in which we um, I, I want to encourage you to um, find ways of bringing into our post-Christian culture, nonetheless, the sense of the culture of our faith in Jesus Christ. The other way I, I want to just say is to uh, ask you, in a sense, to learn how to recognise a difference in your own lives between being immersed in the culture as distinct from being absorbed by the culture in which we live. When, when we're absorbed by the culture, you kind of melt into it, you're not distinguishable from it. But when you're in it, you can still be distinct. And a Christian is called to be distinct within any culture. Even in, in the Christian culture of, of, of previous centuries, Christian discipleship was always something that was, in, to pick up a, a phrase that um, uh, St. John Paul used to use, counter-cultural. Um, in, in, it's not meant to be against, it's not counter in the sense of against, but in relation to. So here's the culture in which we live, here's where I live, stand, and I, show, and I live my life in relation to, but not absorbed into to be absorbed into a culture is to, you know, we might use the word Christian, we might say we're a believer in Christ, but we don't look any different from anyone else. So how do we look a little bit different? We're not talking about how we dress or anything like that. That's not, obviously, not the way, though I'm slightly dressed slightly different, and Dominicans here, and sisters of Nazareth there, and so on and so forth. Um, but the way you're dressed and what have you, just kind of normal. It's not that sense of um, being distinct within the culture. But it's that someone might talk with you. And in talking with you and building a friendship with you, they say, oh, there's something different here. And how we might be able to be that sign of difference 
within our culture, I think is important. And thirdly, so firstly, the, the sense of building a friendship with Christ. Secondly, knowing the difference between um, being a part of a culture or being absorbed into that culture. And third point I just want to make is a kind of an old phrase that is part of our Christian, Christian faith um, that, that comes out of, I'm going to put it to St. Augustine, um, others will find other connections, and it's just simply, know thyself. Know yourself. It's in knowing ourselves, and that calls for honesty, um, which is really hard. I can tell you, I've been doing it for 56 years, um, and I find it really hard um, to be honest with ourselves. But it's when we are honest with ourselves that we know who we truly are, that we can develop a true relationship with Jesus Christ. If we're not honest with ourselves, what happens? We, we project an image and we start wanting to be associated with an image. So we have an image of Jesus. We have an image of the Catholic Church. We have an image of our faith. But none of that is faith. All of that is idolatry. Because when we're not with what is true and honest, in knowing ourselves and in knowing Jesus Christ honestly, then we're projecting an idea or a concept or an image that is not the reality. We're called and invited. No, not quite, stop using the word called. We're invited. You are invited. I'm invited to a relationship with a particular person with Jesus Christ. I can't be in relationship with Jesus if I don't know him personally and if I don't know myself personally because otherwise it's not me who's in relationship with, with Jesus. It's some image of myself. So know yourself. That can be a bit of a painful little touch sometimes when we, when we dig into our own selves. But it's in knowing ourselves honestly and truly and trusting that God loves us no matter what that we can come into this relationship and it can be genuine and true and strong and good. So that's all I want to say tonight. Um, just to go back over all those bits, the sense of um, that we're living in a post-Christian society or culture and that post-Christian society or culture here in Melbourne is one where uh, we, we, uh, the culture looks sort of familiar and sounds sort of familiar to the Christian culture. Words are often the same, but they have entirely different meanings to what they once were. And being in that culture, we need to uh, grapple with the sense of how we can be not absorbed into it while living as part of it. And there's three ways in which that might you might want to work on that. You know, in your personal relationship, your discipleship or apprenticeship, in coming to know Jesus Christ, in recognising the difference between um, 
being a part of a culture or being absorbed into a culture and honestly recognizing that. And thirdly, knowing yourself honestly and truly and knowing Jesus honestly and truly so that what you're building a relationship is on what is real, not an image or an idea or a concept. So I'm going to shut up now and you're all going to go and have a 10 minute break I think and I'm going to get a beer because the labourer deserves his wages. Um, selective, selective quoting of scripture. Um, and I'll head back out to Cathy. So if we can please give our um, Archbishop Peter Thomas a wonderful applause.